welcome to Up, the Union podcast. My name is Dan Hames and I'm joined today for the final time by Peter Mead. Peter's book, Pleased to Dwell, is out now in the UK and it will be out in the USA in November. Um, it's a book all about the incarnation. And um, Peter, I wonder, as you've, as you've thought about this subject, do you think it's changed the way you think about evangelism or how we might share the gospel with our friends and family? Yeah, I think, hopefully, obviously in an ideal world, every one of us has a perfect evangelism strategy and so we don't need to change anything. Uh, but the, the reality is, certainly for me, that every time uh, I think through how I present the gospel or I actually present the gospel, I always then reflect, and go, oh, I should have said this or I could have said that, I could have done this better. Uh, and so how does the incarnation uh, kind of nudge us in, in maybe a better direction? I suppose... In, in simple terms, I would say it really is about the extent of the reach of the rescuer, if you like. If the gospel is really a story of rescue, uh, then how far does the rescuer reach? The incarnation is is the answer to that question. And so, for example, in Philippians 2, where we've got that passage uh, where Paul's quoting, really quoting a hymn probably, and it, it says, have the same attitude as uh, was in Christ Jesus, though he was in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or, or sort of clung onto, uh, but made himself nothing. And, and it goes on down through those next couple of verses. It really is one downward step after another. And they're all absolutely critical, obviously ending in uh, being willing and obedient to death, even death on a cross. And so it's this stunning three-verse presentation of how far God the Son was prepared to go, how far God the Father was prepared to go in sending him to go all the way uh, to the cross for us. But the incarnation is inherent in, in all of that. It's absolutely uh, critical to it. So I suppose the danger is if we don't uh, have clarity on the incarnation, if we don't have a sense of how that fits into the gospel, the danger is we're always going to be communicating, I think, either a distant God or, or maybe a weak God in some way. That is to say that uh, is God just kind of at a distance demanding things of us, uh, perhaps as often he can come across in, in the, the way the gospel's presented that he's apparently quite petty. You know, we stole a paperclip, so therefore we fall short of the glory of God. Therefore, we can't get into heaven, but it's okay. There's a loophole. You know, and I, I don't want to, to sound negative, but, but really from the perspective of listeners, the, the gospel presentation that we give can feel a little bit strange. Now, insert the, the incarnational realities to that and suddenly you're going, hang on a second, no, this isn't a God who is distant, weak, petty, whatever. This is a God who fully uh, grasps the, the state that we're in, fully understands how desperately needy we are. Uh, that, so, so that he actually comes in, steps into our world. It's not that uh, he kind of reaches down and lifts us out. He dives right in uh, to the mess of humanity and becomes one of us forever. And that's huge. And once you see that, and the fact that God the Father is lovingly sending the Son, and God the Son is, is coming fully into our world, coming right to where we are, I think it's creating a whole backdrop of the tone of the gospel, that it isn't just a kind of a loophole or a, a distant God or whatever. This is a God who's coming right to us because he loves us. And therefore, when he then goes on to the cross, 
uh, as the ultimate goal of the mission, if you like, you realize, wow, this, this makes so much sense. This isn't just some kind of moment uh, that we celebrate at Easter and with communion. This is really the goal of the entire story is that he would go there, uh, die in our place, and, and really in, in his death, in his humiliation, in the apparent weakness of the cross, we see the strength of God that he was strong enough to do that for us. And, and that would be true of the manger too, in the, the apparent weakness of the manger. We see the strength of God willing to uh, give of himself in total humility. And so I, I think that the big picture of the gospel and how we present it has to include a clear sense of the incarnation so that God doesn't seem distant, God doesn't seem kind of weak or even self-absorbed, but instead he's a God who, who loves and gives and reaches in and comes all the way to Bethlehem to go all the way to the cross. Now, you said um, in the question, uh, Dan, something about how we outline the gospel. I, I'm a bit hesitant to offer gospel outlines. Um, you know, they can become a little bit uh, learned and, and maybe even trite or just forced when really we should be able to, to explain the gospel as naturally as possible. But I suppose essentially there's there's a progression of unions that we need to think about when we're thinking about the gospel and i please don't memorize this and certainly don't quote this to someone who doesn't know what i'm talking about here it's going to be put into normal language of course but really there's the union of the trinity first of all the the loving communion of father and son by the spirit that then spilled over into creation but that creation was spoiled by sin so I suppose the gospel really should start there with the union uh, that there is within God, within the Godhead. Then uh, there's the incarnational union. So this is God's rescue plan where he doesn't just reach in and, and kind of throw a, a life ring to us and try to pull us out. He dives in and comes right to us where we are. And he becomes united, fully God, fully man, united as, as one in the person of of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So you've got the union of the Trinity. Somehow the progression has to go to the union of the Incarnation, which then makes possible, uh, through the Atonement, the third union, which is our union with Christ. And so the invitation to us ultimately becomes not, are you prepared to accept this legal loophole? Ultimately, it's a, an invitation to give ourselves in response to the one who gave himself to us that we can be one with him it really in biblical terms it's a marital oneness by the spirit uh, with christ and so i think if if i was trying to give a presentation of uh, an outline of the gospel i want to think in, in those kind of terms the union and the beauty of the union of the trinity and the kind of god that we have that's entirely different from any other of the god options that people come up with we, we then have the incarnational union where uh, the rescue plan is put into effect, and God the Son becomes fully one uh, with humanity in, in terms of who he is, and that therefore creates the possibility for us, because of the cross, because of the atonement, to be one with him. So that that's, I think, uh, something of an outline that would be worth uh, chewing over and thinking about, but obviously uh, figuring out how do we communicate that to people who aren't used to the kind of language I've just been using in that description. Yeah. Well, thank you, Peter. Uh, Peter's book, Please to Dwell, as I mentioned earlier, is out now in the UK and will be out in the USA in November, and uh, it's a must-read. 
Peter, thank you so much for spending time with us this week. Thanks, Dan. I really appreciate you having me. Thanks a lot. Yeah, it's been great. And we invite you all to come back for more next time on Up! The Union Podcast.